Positivity, baby. Positivity. That's what I'm working with today. This is Top Dogs, the UConn podcast on the Field of 68 Media Network. My name is Rob Doster, and I know UConn lost last night. 64 to 62. Loss came at Creighton. UConn is now 0-5 against the Blue Jays as a member of the Big East Conference. And they are now staring at the potential of getting a four seed in Big East Tournament, which likely means a date with Marquette or Seton Hall in the quarterfinals on uh, that Thursday afternoon with the potential showdown with Providence in the semifinals on Saturday night. I'm sorry, on Friday night uh, in, in Madison Square Garden. Um, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about that coming up soon. Uh, the Big East Tournament obviously is next week. We're going to preview that. Uh, but today, I, I just want to focus on what happened on Wednesday night, uh, because I think there are some worthwhile talking points and some things that we definitely need to discuss. Uh, Wednesday night's loss was it was a frustrating loss in the sense that, uh, you, you know, there were a lot of things that happened um, last night that, that were themes earlier on this season that we haven't really seen over the course of February. Uh, but it's not a loss that I'm really all that concerned about. Why? Well, first and foremost, uh, UConn lost because they played a really, really bad first 15 minutes on the road against a good, well-coached team in a building that holds 18,000 people that is known for being a difficult place to play. Uh, Arthur Kaluma got loose in the first half. I think he scored all 15 of his points in the first half. Uh, in the second half, Greg McDermott did a terrific job at scheming ways to get Ryan Kalkbrenner uh, rolling to the rim in the second half, whether it was, you know, lifting the defense or putting him in ball screens or using four or five ball screens. Uh, Mac is a great, great, great basketball coach. He is great at scheming ways to create uh, offense out of nothing. He is great at finding answers, even if, they, even if you know, his team ends up losing their star point guard like they did with Ryan Nemhart. Um, I think that this group is better than most Big East fans realize. I think we're still – uh, worried a little bit about preseason projections and not focusing on the fact that this is a very good young team that everybody said was a year away and is now at the end of that year. This is a good basketball team. This is the reason uh, what we saw last night is the reason why they are the third place team in the Big East. They are good. Bad 15 minutes is going to lose you a game on the road against a team like Creighton. UConn found that out the hard way. It happens. And I think that's a really important thing. Uh, to emphasize in this spot, this was a bad 15 minutes in a road environment that came on the back of five straight wins. Uh, UConn did what they needed to do to put themselves in a position to be a top four or five seed in the NCAA tournament during the month of February. They have more or less figured out what they need to be able to do to beat good teams. Uh, RJ Cole has been sensational. I think he has a chance to end up being a first team all Big East player this year. I don't think it's crazy to say that. Tyrese Martin is playing well. He's playing angry most of the time. Um, Adama Sanogo on Wednesday, you know, he's been really good, but he had a night where he just couldn't get anything to stay down. And he still finished with 13 points, 16 rebounds, and six blocks against one of the best big men in the Big East. Uh, you know, shit like this happens in league play. There's a reason why the Big East is the Big East. They're going to get seven teams in the NCAA tournament. You're not going to go undefeated in this league. It's just not going to happen. So, I mean, look. It is what it is. And, and to me, the biggest thing, the worst thing that could happen at this moment is all of those good vibes, all of those positive feelings, all of those UConn can make this happen. UConn is really good. All of those thoughts that we had after they won five straight, after that win over Villanova, we can't replace that, right? They just came off a five-game winning streak. They went five and two in the toughest stretch of seven games that they're going to have this year. They went five and two in a stretch where – some of us thought they could end up losing all seven. Some of us thought they were going to go two and five. 
You know, they went five and two in that run. They were a really good team. They're a top 20 team in America. Don't let the bad vibes take over. Sometimes you lose basketball games. That's what happens when you play in good leagues. You don't go undefeated. Uh, you know, a loss by two on the road because of a slow start against a good Big East opponent, that is going to happen. So, Rusa, this is the way that I want to look at this team right now. They have a very real chance to win the Big East tournament. They've beaten Villanova already this season. They can beat Providence. They've lost uh, two one-possession games to Creighton. They swept Marquette. None of that is changed by what we just saw on Wednesday night. So from now on, I'm making a rule. If you're going to be here, if you're going to be watching these games with me, if you're going to be following along this season with me, positive vibes only. I will say this, though, and I don't want to sound like a total and complete fanboy, so I do have to talk a little bit about some of the negative stuff, but I do believe at the end of the day, what is going to be the downfall of this team is going to be self-inflicted wounds. Um, I... I'm not sure if, if UConn's best would be able to beat Gonzaga, and I'm not sure if UConn's best would be able to beat Arizona. Those two teams are ridiculously good. Uh, I, I hope people that are on the East Coast have been able to stay up to watch them play because they are ridiculous. Um, I think that Baylor would be a very difficult matchup because of their ability to pressure the ball. I think Duke would be a very difficult matchup because of their size uh, and the overall talent level that they have. Um, I think that a team like Illinois would probably give UConn some problems because they got Kofi Coburn inside and because they have guards that can get out and really kind of climb up into RJ Cole. Um, there are some bad matchups out there, but if I'm being frank, I don't know if there are more than four or five teams in all of college basketball this season that will beat UConn when UConn plays their best game. And I know that might sound like a hot take, and I know it might sound like a little bit of a homer, but you can't beat Auburn on a neutral and put up 115 points in 50 minutes of basketball. They beat Villanova. They can overwhelm teams on the glass. They can erase everything at the rim. Uh, they can be suffocating on the defensive end of the floor when they are playing well. When RJ is cooking and Tyrese is playing angry and Adama is finishing stuff around the basket and he has it working in the post and Jordan Hawkins and Tyler Polly, when they're making shots on a perimeter, you know, this UConn team is very, very, very good. And truth be told, you know, I, I, I do believe that we've seen something close, close to the level of their best performance quite a few times over the course of the past month. Like in February, this was probably the best that UConn's played all year, probably the best month that UConn has had uh, under Dan Hurley. Um, you know, the second half against Seton Hall stands out. The first half against Xavier, the full game against Marquette, the first 38 minutes against Georgetown, the majority of the game against Villanova, you know, it's. It's been a really, really impressive month for this UConn team. Um, what UConn cannot have is, and what UConn consistently seems to do in, in certain situations is shoot themselves in the foot, man. Like I've been banging this drum in this space for a while, um, but the easy mistakes and the simple mistakes that are self-inflicted, that are unforced, that are, the results of bad decisions or the results of being unable to finish. Like it's, those are the things that are going to ultimately take this team down. I think in my opinion, um, Adama missing point blank shots at the rim. Like that's part of the reason why his efficiency numbers are so low this season is because he shoots just 52% from two uh, that drops to 48% against tier a opponents. According to Ken Palm as a team, UConn is shooting just 48% from two this season, which is 237th nationally. And they are at 47.5% from two point range in the big East, which is eighth 
in league play. Uh, they don't make easy shots when they get easy shots. Um, when they drive, they are driving to score as opposed to driving to kick. It's, it's little things like that that make it difficult for them to get things done in half-court settings. And it's little things like that, that I've, I've said this over and over, that make it difficult for them when they are trying to get the easy baskets, right? When you can't struggle in the, or when you can't score in the half court, you need to make the layups that you get off offensive rebounds. You need to make the layups that you get in transition. You need to finish the transition opportunities when you have like three on one or three on two or four on two breaks. That's where UConn kind of struggles. You know, it's it's poor decision making and, and poor spacing in transition. It, like these, these are the things that cost them easy points. These are the reasons why, uh, in the past, they've struggled to make. Um, two and three point leads into eight and nine point leads. It's why uh, they've had some games where they've lost close games when it's like, well, how is how is a team this talented only scoring fifty three points? You know, though that's that's where they kind of can tend to struggle. It's the dumb, unforced turnovers that kill momentum. You, you know, as much as I love what Andre Jackson brings to this program and his versatility and his athleticism and what he can do on the defensive end of the floor, his his habits and his tendencies to throw the ball into the bleachers or to fire fastballs at his big man's knees as they're running full speed down the court in transition. The times when you can literally see after a turnover, the camera go to Dan Hurley and him say, you can't give him the ball there. You can't pass him the ball there. Those are the things that I think that's what's going to end up bringing this season to an early close. If it comes down to an early close, it's, it's it's UConn beating themselves and it's just kind of that's kind of who they are and it is what it is and they're still a top 20 team as a result of it but those are it's those little things that consistently mount up and cost you four six eight points during a game which is why you end up losing close games um the perfect example came midway through the second half yesterday UConn was down 34 to 18 at one point in the first half about 15 minutes in uh they cut it to 10 at the break and then a 12 to one run at the start of the second half made it 37, 36. You kind of never let at this point. They had the ball down by one 14 minutes left in the half. Uh, that possession, Andre Jackson gets his pocket picked, get it two points the other way, uh, a layup, a pick six layup um, on the possession. After that, uh, Andre comes flying to the rim, trying to score breaks a layup that ends up being a, uh, a putback dunk on the other end of the floor by Ryan Kalkbrenner. Uh, the possession after that, Adama gets the ball in his post. Adama gets the ball in the post, puts his head down, unaware of what's around him, gets his pocket picked. That ends up going the other way, and there's a foul call. So instead of having the ball down by one with a chance to take your first lead of the game, UConn is now defending to try to prevent it from becoming a three-possession game. It's those swings. It's those moments. It's those momentum killers. Those are the things that you can't have happen against good teams, that you can't have happen on the road, that you can't have happen in a tournament setting if you are going to survive. Those are the mistakes that UConn tends to make, and that's why they tend to lose games like this. To me, it's not necessarily getting beaten. It is doing the things, it's not doing the things necessary to ensure that you don't beat yourselves. And I think if something's going to happen and UConn's going to get knocked out of the tournament early or they're going to get knocked out of the Big East tournament early, that is going to end up being why. Now, all that said, in February, we didn't really see that happen. We really did not. It did not happen against Xavier. It did not happen against uh, it's not happening against Villanova. It did not really happen um, against Seton Hall. There's a reason they beat Marquette, you know? So I, I think that this is something where a road environment, tough team, blah, 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 all those things that I mentioned before, it happens. This is what happens when you play in good leagues, you're going to lose games. So I'm not worried about it. I'm not. And, and look, even, 
even with those mistakes and those frustrations and the way that they kind of tend to play in those situations, this group is still a dangerous team in the month of March. And think about it like this. How long have we desperately wanted a team that we can care about this much during March? How long has it been since we've really had a chance to say, okay, you know what? If this group shows up and plays well, we got a chance to make a run of the tournament. It's been a long, long time. So at least this is, this is what I'm going to do. Before I am, I'm going to get into the segment from last night's After Dark with Steve Prohm and Randolph Childress here in a second. But look, I'm going to enjoy this. It's been we we've been locked down for two years. We have not gone out in two years. We have not seen UConn in the tournament like this for eight years. I'm I'm going to enjoy it. Whatever ends up happening, I'm here. I'm riding. Let's get this done. If we win, this is going to be so much fun. I'm going to be cheering so fucking loud. Uh, And if we lose, you know what? I'm just going to be very thankful that. We're back in a position where I can hate on Providence fans, where we can celebrate beating Villanova, where we can make fun of Syracuse for being in a league that they don't want to be in, where we can laugh at Pitt for being Pitt, where we can go to the Garden and play in a fucking Big East tournament again. Man, I'm so jacked up. I'm so hyped for this. Let's go. Let's get some wins. Go Huskies. UConn went on the road and lost to a Creighton team, 64-62, that was missing their starting point guard, uh, Ryan Nemhard. Not the best result for my Huskies, but it was not something that I think was uh, – I don't think it's necessarily a backbreaker. So let's go to you first in this one, Prom. How big of a win is this for Creighton? They don't have their starting point guard, like I mentioned. Um, but this is – I mean, they needed this win. We were talking about it off air. This Creighton team, they're on the bubble right now, and this is the kind of win that can put you onto the right side of the bubble. Yeah, they. this was big, and I think they are, they're on the right side of the bubble for sure now. you got to sweep over Marquette. you got to sweep over Connecticut. And you beat Villanova. I mean, that's five legit, legit wins. And their youth was good again tonight. Now, obviously, Nemhard's a freshman, and, and you mentioned that he's out. But Hawkins, uh, Kaluma, and Calc uh, Brenner, you know, those guys were terrific tonight. And Hawkins, as a, as a senior leader, elder statesman of the group, you know, even though he's a transfer, terrific. And uh, they got off to a big, great start. And then, obviously, UConn's got some toughness and some grit to them, came back and uh, – it's a Creighton's a phenomenal place to play. So that environment tonight, I'm sure, was really, really good. But big, big win for Creighton, for sure. RC, what'd you think? You know what? I, I, I've been saying this to you, and I know the averages talk about UConn having those three guys, but I've, I, I often ch- – I know you're a big UConn fan, and I shared that with you. Whenever they're in a close game, my concern from a guard perspective is who shows up besides R.J. Cole. And I get all this flack about, oh, this guy averages this. this. When they're in close games, I, I, who is going to be that third guy? And I've said this. I know what the averages, the numbers tell me. I just want to know who's going to be that guy. And, I, and I'm concerned about that tonight. It's no different. Yeah, the, their issue is that they basically have one guy that can create on his own. And their other go-to guy, Adama Sonogo, is someone that can get taken away really easily yep. in the paint. Yep. And we saw Creighton do that for the second time uh, this season. Um, and it doesn't help when – you know, you got a seven-footer like Ryan Kalkbrenner out there on, on the defensive end of the floor. I, I do – I just want to circle back on, on the Jays really quick and, and make one more point before we talk a little bit about UConn. Um, this, this Creighton team is young and they have a lot of pieces. And, and I remember T.O. made this point uh, earlier this season on, on one of these shows is that when you are a year away, R.C., by the time you get to the end of that season, you're basically what you're going to be the next year, right? When you say you got a, you, you got a lot of – 
youth, you got a lot of inexperience. By the time you get to the end of that freshman year, you, you got to be ready to go. And it feels like this Creighton team, they may not have their star point guard, but that team was ready to go tonight. We always said, if you're a freshman, when you hit sophomore, that second half of your conference play, you're, you know, you're is a freshman, you're a sophomore at that point. Like you're, you've grown up, you've been battle tested, you've played in big games. You have an idea of what the league is going to be like, and it's just time to grow up. So you're right. As you get to this point, heading into March, it tells you you have an idea of where your squad is trending as far as the next year. And, and Trayton, I mean, Creighton is going to be, man, if they get everybody back, you know, I, I think there'll be a preseason top 25 team. Yeah, I agree. You agree, Prom? Yeah, I do. You know, I like this team and they've just they've gotten better all year long. Obviously, early in the year, you know, you got young guys, you're going to take take some growing pains, have some growing pains. But if you're third place, we said this off air, if you're third place in the Big East, I mean, what are we talking about? The bubble? I mean, that that's <laughs> I mean, that come on now. They're third place. They've won 11 games right now, I believe, yeah. in the Big East. Eleven. And we're saying we people have them as a last four in or a first four out or possible, you know, you know, last four buys or whatever it may be. They, they're deserving an NCAA tournament bid for sure. Yeah, I think they locked know, it up after this one. Right. I mean, they're just with 12, they're 12 and six in the Big East. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm is wondering it 12, who's, who is has it 12 and six now. So to, to, 12 and six. Yeah, you're 12 and six in the Big East <laughs> and you're not. <laughs> I mean, you're not a 60. I mean, who's doing these? <laughs> who's doing these? I mean, if you want to know, if you want to know the reason Rackets. why, it's, it's because they're yeah. they don't their metrics aren't great. Yeah. They're they're in low 60s in the net. They're low 60s in Kempom, and those are the kind of metrics that a lot of these people value when it comes to where you get seated. Now, mm. for my understanding is that who gets into the tournament and who gets left out of the tournament does not have all that much to do with with the uh, with the number next to your name with the net and with number next to your name with Kempom. It has a lot to do with where you get put into that bracket and where you get slotted and where you are seated. And because Creighton has uh, those numbers that aren't great, um, then they're probably going to end up kind of being on that 10 or 11 line. Now that said, picking wow. up another home win against UConn is going to be something that, that helps them and gives them a little bit of a boost. Are you guys, uh, RC, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but are, are either of you worried about UConn kind of big picture when it comes to March? Like I, I've seen, different people mention them as being a threat in uh, in March and a threat in some of these settings. And I think a lot of that has to do with the pedigree this group has. As someone that watches them every day, I I sit here, I'm like, I, I don't know, man. Like I, I get, I'm, I'm always pessimistic about the teams that I root for. I'm probably the worst fan on the planet, but it's, uh, <laughs> I, I watch them and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about a run here. I don't see them making out of the first weekend. I, 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 I think they're tough. I think they're well coached, but again, their Achilles heel all year has been, you know, who else is going to create on this team besides RJ Cole? Who else is they going to get the ball to and, and, and give him a bucket? Size inside bothers Sonogo a little, and he's not the biggest guy. He plays hard, his motor and all that. But I, I, I just, they've had a good year, no question about it. I'm not, I just, that has been my concern all year long in close games. Who else besides R.J. Cole is going to be able to step up and handle it? And, and I've had that question from the beginning, and I still have it now. And I don't think it's, it's – it's, it, nothing that UConn has done has shown me anything to, to be, you know, overly – you know, like figure that they fix, they fix that. It's just my belief in how they are. I don't, you know, I don't know what it's else who to say. who they are. That's, yeah, that's what just, they are this year. You agree, Steve? Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. You know, whether it's a 6-11, 5-12, 7-10 game, yeah, you know, that they, they, they obviously they'd be disappointed if they lost that first game, but can they win the second one? 
you know, uh, that, that may be tough on them to do that, but there's no question. Like Randolph said, man, Danny's got them established and, and obviously, uh, laid a great foundation and they're headed in the right direction for sure. My, my big thing, self-inflicted mistakes, dumb turnovers, bad turnovers in transition, uh, not, not being aware of where the help side is coming from, getting your pocket picked in the post, Dama Sanogo throwing a ball out of bounds, uh, Andre Jackson throwing 90 mile an hour fastballs at a, a center's head when he's running full speed and train. Like there's, it's those <laughs> little things that, 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 that turn. If you do two or three of those things in a, like a perfect example, they go on that 12 on run to open the second half, right? It's, they cut the lead 37, 36, that crowd, 18,000 people in there silent next to possess. They have the ball next two possessions, turnover, easy layup. Uh, they get a bad shot at the basket, like a, a, a like 20 seconds left runner at the rim transition, lay it the other way, come down another turnover. And then they get foul. Uh, Creighton gets fouled at the other end. So it, it's a quick six, nothing run that just kills all the moments that you had. And it's those uh, simple mistakes that, that are just back. Breakers.